0: Wow, what a great song, man! That's 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 why we celebrate Christmas. It's not just the birth of a baby; it's the, the 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 invasion of humanity by the Son of God, so that we could be raised up, called from the grave, sin and death, and hell, and experience glory. This is the time when we release our children volunteers at Children's Church. I want to invite you guys to head back in that direction. The rest of us that are left, if you'll take your Bible and find Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We finished up our series on the Beatitudes and um, how we can have a life and develop a life that impacts this culture of chaos. But the only reason we're able to have that kind of life is because God invaded our life with Christ. Uh, Jesus came and, and Jesus died and Jesus bought us salvation. Jesus bought us the opportunity to be in uh, right relationship with God to be adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High to transform our hearts and our minds. It's all because of Jesus. So we celebrate every year this coming of the Christ child, this, the, this amazing event where God takes the form of a baby and then grows as a man just like we grow, just like we learn, just like we live live the life with all the struggles with all the temptations with all the hurts and with all the things that we experience but yet without sin and then died a perfect death died a substitutionary death so that we might be forgiven man isn't that a great story but he he he, he came for more than just uh, us to experience forgiveness that's the beginning he came so that we could all experience the plan he has for our life. And for the next few weeks, we're going to look at what happens when God's purpose invades our plans. And we're going to look at the, uh, the story of the, the birth of Jesus and, and how, you know, we, we, we often think about it and we often fawn over and we're excited about the fact that Jesus came, that God sent his son. But I'm just going to tell you, God invaded the plans. Of a couple of families, with his purpose, and, and I want us to look at today. God is still, uh, still invading our plans with his purpose, because we all make plans. We all have goals. We all have dreams. We all have things have things that we want to accomplish in this life and, and as a Christian we want them to line up with God and we want to honor God with our life but but sometimes we plan and we think okay this is what God wants for us and, and I'm going to honor God I'm going to push forward in this and I'm going to get this degree and I'm going to have this job and I'm going to live here and I man, I want a family and I want kids and I'm going to raise them up to honor God and I'm going to be a godly husband and a and a godly father and I'm going to lead my family into righteousness that's, that's the goal and the plan of every Christian but sometimes God purpose invades our plan and he shakes up and and just absolutely destroys what we planned for a greater purpose and so today i want us to to look at that and to think about what do we do when god invades our plans with his purpose how what's the right way to respond what is it that we need to be willing to do when we don't know god's purpose for our life you know, we know that we, to honor God, to live for him, yeah, that's, that's, that's the big picture purpose. But each one of us, we believe, and I believe the Bible teaches us, that he has a purpose for each individual one of us. There is something that he wants to accomplish in and through our lives that will impact the world, will impact generations, will impact eternity. It's so much bigger than just retiring and, and having a good life. And so I want us to look at the, to this morning, I want us to look at the life of Joseph and how God invaded Joseph's plans, and what Joseph had to do in order to be accomplished the purpose God had for him when it conflicted with the plans that he had and how he responded and and then what does that mean for us? How how are we supposed to live and how are we supposed to respond when, when God's purpose is different than our plan? So if you would stand with me, and we're going to begin reading in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall will be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to the son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful for Jesus, we're so thankful for this time of year where we celebrate the the coming of Emmanuel, the coming of the Christ child. God, we're so thankful that 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 we have the opportunity to know this Christ. We, we have this opportunity to, uh, to be adopted into your family. We, we have this opportunity to know the forgiveness of our sins because you chose to send your son here. But God, when, when we surrender our lives to you, God, we all have plans. And God, there are all things that we want to do that we think will honor you. But God, your purpose is bigger than we could ever imagine. And sometimes it's very difficult and it requires, it always requires faith and sacrifice. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Help us determine in our life, God, to make plans to honor you with our life. To make plans for family, for future. But God, always be soft, always be flexible, always be ready to give up our plans for your purpose. And to let your purpose transform our plans. God, we want to honor you in all that we do and say. So open our hearts and our minds today. God, help me. Help me speak this well-known passage. And God, help me dispense truth from it. And God, we want to give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen may be seated now again this is a this is an event and a, and, a, and a couple that we know very well you you've heard the story of joseph and mary we 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 know the 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 um the 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 story of the the birth of jesus very well but what i want us to do today is I, and and for the next couple of weeks I want us to look at the individuals and, and, and think about the background. We, we know the story, but how many times do we really think about the impact that this event had in the lives of Joseph and Mary? And, and so I want us to look at the fact that, that, that God's will for our lives impacts us personally. It impacts our family. It ex- impacts our extended family. And it has ramifications way beyond just us. And so, God has plans that include us and has a purpose for us, but they are way bigger than us. And so, um, as we look at this, we're going we're to begin today with the life of Joseph. And who was Joseph? We don't know a whole lot about him. But when we begin to, to, to look at how the Bible describes him and what the Bible says about him and what history says about their culture, I think it will help us understand and get a better grip of the sacrifice. And the willingness that Joseph, or the faith that Joseph had to demonstrate in order to experience God's purpose for his life. And had to be willing to sacrifice and alter the plans that he had for his life. So so let's look and see what the Bible says about Joseph and what history and culture tells us about Joseph. So it begins in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, Matthew uses this term, the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ, because Jesus was a very common name in those days. And so he says that he's talking about the, the birth of the Christ, Jesus the Christ. says when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now in order to, to, to kind of unpack this a little bit, there's some things we need to to focus on, we need to look at what does it mean that they were betrothed. Now, betrothal was different than our engagement, and engagements are getting more and more like it. Man, when when Rand and I got engaged, I just simply got on a knee and asked her. Now you've got this elaborate engagement thing that's got to happen. You know, everybody's got to try and outdo everybody else on the engagement event and this big production. Well, to be honest, it's a little bit more like that in, in biblical times. Uh, the betrothal was more than just, okay, I'm going to marry you. It's a promise ceremony. It's a ceremony of promise. In other words, uh, the, the, it happens between families and individuals. So what would happen the that this man or this woman would say, "Hey, I would like to marry this 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 person they'd tell Joseph would tell his dad dad i, I I've met this girl and, and I would really like to, for her to be my wife so then the 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 dad would go to her dad and and they would begin to negotiate they'd begin to talk about um, uh, these two lovebirds getting married uh, they weren't necessarily um, Arranged weddings. the the the, peop, the bride and the groom had choices, um, and and so they would choose to say, "Hey, I want to marry her," and I I, I agreed. I, I would like to marry him, and and so the parents get together and they start talking about, okay, what is a reasonable arrangement here? Okay, Joseph uh, was not a very wealthy guy. Um, he was a carpenter, and, and in, in those days, in the culture then, and in many other cultures around the world today, you're, you're um your profession was simply what was passed down from your parents. So Joseph's dad was probably a carpenter too. His grandfather was a carpenter. His great-grandfather was a carpenter. That's just what, that's just what the Joseph family did. They were carpenters. And, and it, they worked hard with their hands. They built stuff. They made stuff. They built houses. They built furniture. They, they did all kind of things like that. So they were in the trades and, and probably did not make a lot of money. I mean, Carpenters didn't make a whole bunch of money then. They, 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 but they had a good living. And so Joseph wasn't a wealthy man, but yet what was required in the betrothal is that the, the, the bridegroom would have to give gifts to the bride's family. Now what would happen was because this this w- girl uh, was raised and they they'd do most of the, the, the labor around the house, most of the cooking, most of the cleaning, carrying water, doing all those kind of things. When she got married off, that meant that the family was going to lose a productive part of the family unit. Somebody was going to have to pick up the slack. So what would happen is that the, the bridegroom's dad would, would talk to the bride's dad or the bride-to-be's dad and, and say, hey, okay, my son wants to marry your daughter, and they would agree. Yeah, I think that'd be a good arrangement. I think they'd be good for each other, and I, I can go with that. Your your family's a good, upstanding family, and I, I'm okay with with you marrying her or your son marrying my daughter. Um, and, and so the 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 father of the groom to be would say, "Okay, what's she worth? What what do we need to give you to replace this daughter that you're about to lose?" What, what is it that we need to, uh, to, to compensate your family in, in order, because we're, we're taking away these two hands and these strong back, and this one who, who helps in the family, and we're gaining and you're losing, okay? And so uh, they would negotiate a price for the bride, what they would give the father and the family. But then also, along with that, not only would you give a price for the bride and give it to the father, the head of the household, but you'd also give gifts to other family members. Mom would get some, something, and brothers and sisters would get, because they're all losing a brother, sister, they're lo- or excuse me, they're losing a sister, they're losing a daughter. Uh, and, and so uh, you wouldn't just give one gift, you'd give several gifts. So uh, it was a pretty expensive thing. And this happened up front. When the betrothal happened, so when we say that that Mary and Joseph had been betrothed or engaged, there was a pretty sizable investment given to the other family. And by the way, it's probably non-refundable. <laughs> okay, so Joseph has has and and Mary have have met. They've said, "Hey, we, we'd like to get married." The, the families have gone through this process of of exchanging the gifts and and and. Joseph's family has has given the the the, the gift or the dowry uh, to the to the bride's um to be's family and and the investment is made and, and so now they've got this year long engagement where legally they're married but they still live separately. She lives with her parents. She fine tunes her cooking skills and and and, and she learns a little bit more about how to be a wife and what it takes and all that stuff. So she's got to learn a, a year to be taught and to, and to kind of fine-tune those things. The The son still lives with his parents, still does the work, still it, it begins, they start talking about what it means to be a husband and how to be a good husband and all those kind of things. So there's this year-long marriage now, but yet you're not intimate with one another. You're living in separate houses, living in separate places. And, and so... If you break off this betrothal, the only way that can happen is, is you've got to give a certificate of divorce. And, and it's legally, you're legally bound to her already and betrothal, you're just like married, so the only way it can be broken is you've got to give her a certificate of divorce. And so um, that's kind of the cultural and significance of betrothal. Okay? Now we got to fast forward a little bit and jump over to Luke. And talk a little bit about Mary. Remember, Mary uh, found out, had the visit from the angel Gabriel and said, Hey, you're going to, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to have a child and, and it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And, and if you read, it says immediately when she found out, she didn't go tell Joseph. Immediately, she left because the, the angel told her, your, your, your cousin Elizabeth is now six months pregnant, even in her old age. Again, if you know the story in the background, Elizabeth and Zacharias were were uh, her um, elderly relatives. And they were beyond childbearing years. And yet the angel Gabriel came to uh, Zacharias and said, hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. He's going to be the forerunner of the Christ. And, and so... They went back home from Jerusalem and when Mary finds out she's pregnant and that Elizabeth is pregnant because God says, I've, I've, I've enabled Elizabeth to be pregnant so really I can I can cause you to be pregnant without ever knowing a man. So she says, let it be done to me and that's next, year, next Sunday's story. Uh, and she leaves immediately and goes to see Elizabeth. So, so far Joseph is absolutely clueless about what's going on. He's still planning his life, he says, okay, man, in a year, I'm going to have a wife. Man, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have my own place. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna raise my children to honor God. I'm going to raise my children to follow the Lord. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to provide for my family, and we're going to have a good life together. I mean, that's all he's planning. He's looking forward to wedding. He's looking forward to good life. He's looking forward to now being a, a, a an upstanding part of the community and having a voice in a community because now, rather than just being some single knothead, he's a married guy. He's got influence in the community now. So there's a lot that goes with it that that he's planning for and he's excited about. He's looking forward to. And and he, he doesn't have a clue that Mary is pregnant now. She's up at Elizabeth's place visiting with Elizabeth. Well, at some point she comes back after a few weeks or a few months. And she comes back to hometown and to Joseph who's all excited, looking forward to marriage, looking forward to family, looking forward to good life, looking forward and planning uh, where they're going to live and, and probably already starting, you know, getting the, the, the furniture together for their place and the digs that he needs to build and on his spare time when he's not building for somebody else, he's doing stuff for his own family, you know. So he's getting excited and, and Mary comes back and there's an issue. She's pregnant. Joseph... Joseph is just devastated. I mean, she's married to him legally. She's promised to keep herself chaste until their wedding night. I'm just going to be honest. As a guy, he was looking forward to the wedding night. And now, she's been unfaithful. That's the the only reasonable thing to think. She's gone to see Elizabeth, and ain't no better way to say it. She's got knocked up because she unfaithful. But there's something else that the Bible tells us about Joseph. Look at, look at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband. Remember, they're betrothed, they're legally bound. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man. Didn't want to disgrace her. Notice the, how Matthew describes Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter, that was his trade. Joseph was a Jew, that was his heritage. But Joseph was a righteous man. Now, this is more than religious. Okay? There are a lot of religious Jews that were not righteous. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were the most religious people around, but they were not righteous for the most part. So Matthew makes the distinction with Joseph. He was a righteous man. That means that he not only um, kept the law, not only did he go to synagogue, but he loved God and he honored God with his life. See, that's the difference between religion and righteousness it's the difference between religion and relationship see all of the law and all of the the, the sacrifice and all the the, the the system of worship that God put in place was to was to develop relationship with him and, and to and to teach them how to walk in right relationship with him and 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 also to to teach him that, hey, you can't be perfect, so you've got to have this Messiah that's going to be coming, this one to, to pay the penalty for you, just like the sacrificial lamb. But, but he he had this relationship with God. He wanted to honor God with his life. He wanted it to be more than just going to synagogue, more than just sacrificing what I'm supposed to sacrifice. I want to live for the Lord. He was a righteous man. And I want you to know, to see that his righteousness changed his response this hurt see this is how we know he's not just religious says he was a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her see he wasn't just some girl that his mom and dad picked out he loved her he had plans to have a wonderful life with her to have a family with her to 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 live in love with her and to grow old with her and to honor God in that relationship. And now she's come back pregnant. And, and he is baffled. He is, I'm sure she's told him by now, Hey, you know, an angel came and saw me. Okay, put yourself in Joseph's place. An angel came and saw me. And, he, and I'm pregnant, but I, I had never been with a man. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. God has, has gotten me pregnant. Now, what your response be, guys? Not only is she loose, but she's Looney Tunes. Yeah, right. But yet, Joseph's relationship with God changed his response to this hurt that he has felt because of this perceived betrayal by his wife. And so rather than doing what was legal, remember we said a while ago that in betrothal they're legally bound and the only way that you can end this marriage and end this relationship is through a formal divorce now there are two types of divorces that could happen during betrothal the ones of public divorce that means you go to the court which means you go to the city gate and the elders gather around and you tell them the grounds for divorce why you don't want this woman anymore why you want to divorce her even though you've never been with her and you're not living together yet but you're betrothed you're married and so it's a very public divorce you go before the elders you go before the community and you give the grounds for divorce and if the elders think it's good enough for grounds for divorce they give you a certificate of divorce you give it to her and you send them on her way or she gives it to him works either way but it's a very public shameful divorce because you've got to state the grounds so if Joseph was going to take that route, he'd have to gather the elders at the gate of the city and he'd have to stand before them and say, I don't want to marry Mary anymore. I don't want her to be my wife because she's been unfaithful. She's pregnant. She left and went to see her sister Elizabeth and while she was gone, obviously, she fooled around with a man and uh, and is now pregnant. And so she's been unfaithful. She's an adulteress. I don't want to marry her. And At that point, he could have just simply... Let the public shame be enough. Or by law, he could have had her stoned to death. Because adultery. Remember the the woman that was brought to Jesus in adultery? The law says she should be stoned. He could have had her stoned. But see, his relationship with God, his love for God, his, his righteousness caused him to respond differently to this hurt that was... Uh, that was uh, perceived by Mary. So rather than making a very public divorce, it says here that he was a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, he chose to put her away to divorce her quietly. That's the second form of divorce. Now, this form of divorce, you don't have to go to the court. You simply get uh, a witness from her family and a witness from your family and say, hey, this ain't going to work out. I've changed my mind and there doesn't have to be any grounds given. You don't have to tell them why you don't want to divorce her. He doesn't have to say, she's a whore. He could quietly do it. Because of his relationship with the Lord, he was willing to sacrifice his right to her public shame. And he chose to not disgrace her. But I just can't do this. So I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm just gonna get one of her cousins, one of my cousins. We're gonna bring them together and we're gonna I'm gonna tell them I can't do this. I've changed my mind. And there and I'll get a, a, a bill of divorce and we'll just move on. She'll go her way, I'll go my way, everything'll be okay. But that was because of his relationship with the Lord. His righteousness compelled him not to take his rights of revenge, but to show grace. So as he's made these plans and he's thought about it, he's wrestled with it. He's, I'm sure he's, he, he's, he's debated, man, in, in his anger and his hurt. He says, yeah, I want everybody to know she's pregnant. I want everybody to know she's cheated on me. I want everybody to look down their noses on her for the rest of her life. She deserves punishment. But then in his brokenness, he experienced the love of God and said, I don't want to do that. I really do care for her. And i don't want to ruin her life i don't want to make this harder for her i'm just gonna do it quietly and so i'm sure there was a period of time this wasn't just a moment quick decision that he made he wrestled with this for a while he's struggling with this idea is she crazy is she right i mean god's done some amazing things before but man pregnant without ever knowing a man god's never done that before you know, we, we hear all these stories, and I know all the stories of of Moses and Elijah and all the prophets and all the things God's done in the past. But I just don't know if I can believe this. And she's got to be nuts, you know. I just I, and and she's crazy, and so you know, I, I don't want to. I'm sure that's why she did what she did, and she's mentally unstable. So I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do this quiet. But in the middle of the wrestling, he falls asleep and God sends his messenger to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child that she is pregnant with is of the Holy Spirit. She didn't lie to you. God confirmed this fantastic story. And said, you take her as your wife because I'm fulfilling prophecy that you know the virgin will be with child she'll bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel God with us see the story that you've heard all along this one that everybody's looking for I'm doing it but I've chosen to use you and Mary see 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 the conflict here Joseph's got all kinds of plans. Mary's got all kinds of plans of of, of starting a family and starting a home and having kids and raising them up to honor God and and honoring God with a life. Both of them have tried to honor God throughout their life. And and man, this thing, this, this purpose that God has for them is throwing a kink in all of their plans. Joseph had an opportunity to say, "No, God, I, I just can't do that. You know, this, uh, people's gonna look down on me. My family's gonna think I'm nuts. Nobody's gonna believe that this guy, this this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Everybody knows it takes two to tango. Nobody's gonna believe that. They're gonna think I'm nuts, just like she is. But yet, he was willing to sacrifice his plan for God's purpose." Mary, we'll get to that next week, had to sacrifice her plans for God's purpose. And I'm just going to tell you, when we accept Christ, when we fall in love with the Lord, when we understand who he is and what he's done, and we surrender ourselves to him, we, we deny ourselves, as Jesus says we have to. We have to die to ourselves, deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. That doesn't mean we walk through life without a plan. I hope, young people, you're looking forward to marriage. I hope you're looking forward to a job. I hope you're looking forward to a career. I hope you're planning uh, young adults for retirement. I hope you've got plans for where you want to live and you're praying and you're pursuing God as you make those plans because you need to plan. You need to prepare. But you also need to understand that you signed up when you surrender your heart and your life to the purpose of God over your plans for life. See, James tells us the same thing. He says, look, you say that we're going to go to this city or that city, and we're going to spend a year, and we're going to make some money. So what you really need to say is, if the Lord wills it, we're going to go to this. So you make plans, but you always make provision for God's purpose that doesn't match up with your plan. And that's what Joseph had to do. Joseph in his righteousness, Joseph in his love for the Lord, Joseph in his desire to honor God, made plans for the future, made plans for a wife, made plans for family, made plans for career, made plans for for being a productive part of society and having a family that honored God. But yet God's purpose invaded his plan, and he had to say yes to God's purpose and no to his plan, at least an altered version of it. That doesn't mean that God's going to change everything. He he puts a dream on your He puts a plan in your mind. It doesn't mean that God's going to eventually say, absolutely not with this, I've got a whole different direction for you, but he might. It might just be that he's looking to alter your plans. You thought you were going to live this place, and God says, no, I really need you, I want you to be over here because I've got something I want you to do over here that will impact the kingdom. Well, you've been planning and you, you, you thought this was the career that you have for, that, that you need to plan for and, and you've been planning and you've got that college degree and you've been working there for a while. But man, at some point God says, okay, I want you to do this now because I've got a purpose for you at this place at this time to do kingdom work and have eternal impact. And we've all got to come to this crisis of faith where we say yes to God's purpose and no to our plan whether it's just an alteration of our original desire and our original plan or it's something absolutely completely different i can testify most preachers can but there's a lot of just regular folks christians that love the lord that you talk to and they say well i just feel like god's leading us to do this we never really planned on this is what we thought we were going to do this is where we thought we were going to be but but we just know that this is where god wants us and don't know how it's going to work out. Don't know what we're going to do. But, but we just, we're just we just going to say God, yes to God's purpose and give up our plans. And that's, that's what it means to honor God. That's what it means to follow God. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. We need to plan. But we need to place as the ultimate goal God's purpose for our life. And so how do we do that? I think there are three things we can look here and see. How we, can, how we can pursue God's purpose and be willing to give up our plans. One, number one, we need to come to the understanding, we need to be convinced that God's purpose is more important than our plans. God's purpose is more yeah. important than our plans. When we surrendered our heart and our life to Jesus, when we got saved, that means we made the declaration, God's purpose for me is greater than my plans. And at that point, we've got to we've got to start practicing this prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any way my plan is, I don't want to go through this. God, there's any way, let this cut pass for me. This is what I want. This is my plan. This is my desire. God, I don't want to do this. But yet, not my will, but your will be done. See, that's when we understand God's purpose is more important than our plans. God wants us to plan. God puts us a plan in our lives. And we need to move forward with that until God changes the plan. Until God reveals his purpose. Because God generally doesn't reveal his purpose for your life when you turn 18. God generally doesn't reveal his purpose for your life when you're in college. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he reveals it, the big picture, early on. And then adjust it as we walk through life. We begin going in this direction. We begin pursuing this thing. We begin planning and preparing for this. And we get to a certain point And God says, okay, you've gotten here. Now I want you to do this. I want you to go in this direction. I've been preparing you and getting you ready. And now I've got, okay, this is where we're going now. And you go in a whole different direction. Because God's got a different purpose for you than you thought he had at the beginning. So you got to be willing to alter your plans. You've got to be willing to alter your schedule. You've got to be willing to alter your life. Because God's purpose is greater. It's more important than my plans. And we were saved for the purpose of God's glory, of God's, or, or for God's purpose for our life. And the second thing, second thing we see from this is God's purpose always requires faith and sacrifice. God's purpose always requires faith and sacrifice now i want you to to understand that faith is not blind faith god is in the confirming business notice that that when joseph heard that mary was pregnant and she probably told him that it was of the holy holy spirit and she she hadn't been with a man that you know, that's kind, of, kind of way out there, kind of far out there, kind of hard to believe. But God sent an angel. God may not visit you in a vision or a dream with an angel. But God will put people in your path. God will put circumstances in your path where he confirms this is absolutely what I want you to do. This is absolutely where I want you to go. This is absolutely the purpose that I've been preparing you for all these years. God will confirm that. He's not asking for blind faith. That's why we need to pray for God's purpose. We need to pursue God's purpose. We need to study God's word. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. We need to get in the practice of listening to the Holy Spirit. And even in little steps, little stages, little things, be willing to alter our plan for the moment, our plan for the day. Sometimes we need to be willing to just stop when we're in this hectic schedule of the day. God puts it on our heart to pray for somebody. Stop and pray. Because God's purpose is bigger than your plans. Maybe it's to help somebody that that you don't know. Buy the person's groceries behind you. I don't know how God's going to prompt your heart, but he's going to confirm it some way, somehow. And then when he does, you just do it out of faith. Not really understanding why, not knowing how it's going to impact the kingdom, but faith, and it's always going to require sacrifice. Following Jesus, accomplishing God's purpose for your life will never cost you nothing. Man, when when we look at everything God has given for us, everything God has done for us, there is nothing that we have that comes close to measuring up. So we need to understand, we need to be convinced that God's purpose is more important than our plans. We need to practice the prayer, not my will, but Thy will be done. God's purpose always requires faith and sacrifice. And the third thing we need to understand and we need to be mindful of and we need to be convinced of is that God's purpose always has eternal kingdom, generational impact. Joseph could have said No. I ain't going to do it. Imagine the impact it would have had on eternity. I'm not saying he could change God's plan. God's got a virgin girls are a dime a dozen. Guys are a dime a dozen. He could use anybody he wanted to, but he chose Joseph and Mary and invited them into his purpose. His eternal plan of salvation. His great kingdom work through the Christ. And it impacted not just his life and Mary's life and their immediate family. But for generations to come, they were a part of the plan of salvation. That's why some 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Joseph and Mary. So you don't know the impact that these this obedience to God, the pursuit of his purpose over your plans for your life, your willingness to to change your plans for God's purpose, you don't know the impact it's going to make. You don't know the impact it's going to have on your kids and their kids your great-grandchildren. You don't know the impact it's going to have on a co-worker. You don't know the impact it's going to have on a on a business somewhere that God says, hey, I want you to go over there and this is where I want you to, to, to serve and to, to work and to share the gospel. You don't know the impact. God does. But we've got to understand that the purpose of God will always have an impact that's way beyond us. And he's simply inviting you to participate in something that is eternal, that has kingdom consequences, and will change generations. Don't you want to be a part of something like that? And so if we, if we believe, if we're convinced that God's plan, God's purpose is so much bigger than our plans, we'll be willing to pursue His purpose over our plans. fourth thing the fourth thing is God's purpose it's scary and when you start thinking about it, put yourself in Joseph's place put yourself in Mary's place it's scary I'm just going to tell you being a pastor is scary Being a Sunday school teacher is scary. Being a godly influence in a workplace is scary. Sharing the gospel is scary. God's purpose is never going to be easy. God's purpose is never going to be cheap. God's purpose is never going to be comfortable. It will be scary. man what God can accomplish with one person or one couple that has given over to his purpose and pursues his purpose rather than their plans look at the examples throughout the scripture of the impact and the difference God makes it's scary it's hard but man Great, great legacy to leave behind. Anybody can work a job for 40 years and retire and be comfortable. Anybody can do that. Very few people are going to impact the world. God's invited you, you, and you, and you, and me to impact the world if we will just pursue his purpose over our plans if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ maybe you've, you've been going through life and you, you're, you're a religious person you believe in God you try to be good you try not to do the bad things you try to, to do the right things and but you know there's something missing it's a relationship God didn't create you to be religious. God created you for relationship. And he's calling you into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But the only way you can do that is to die to yourself. Surrender. I am a sinner. I, am, I have nothing to offer but my life. And God, I'm going to surrender my life to you to glorify your name, to live for your purpose. Guide me in my plans and give me the faith to alter them when I need to. God, I want to live. In right relationship with you. For your glory. For eternity. For the kingdom. For something so much bigger than me. I want to be part of that. Man what a great privilege. But it only comes when we die to ourselves. Accept his gift of salvation. And submit to his lordship. And live for him. Christian. Young person. I encourage you. Make plans. God's going to put plans in your heart. He's going to put things that you like doing. And and, and God's going to set you off in life. And you need to be planning for life. But please, 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 be flexible. Pursue his purpose over the plans that you've made. Even when you think God led you to those plans. May have. But his purpose may change the plan that you have today Christian let's pray that we'll have soft hearts let's practice praying not my will but thy will in every situation and let's see what God will do in our family in our life for generations to come because we pursue his purpose over everything else let's stand